Hi and welcome to episode 115 of Talking with Painters, where Australian painters talk about their lives and art. I'm Maria Stolger and I've got a special episode for you today, a compilation of clips of all the artists I've spoken to who've won the Archibald Prize and what they've said about it, about the painting, about how they felt or about what it did for their career. For those outside of Australia who might not know what I'm talking about, the Archibald Prize is Australia's most famous portrait prize, judged by the trustees of the Art Gallery of New South Wales. It's currently worth $100,000 and this year it turned 100. But not only that, it also brings with it a particular type of fame which places that artist in Australian art history. So I'm going to chronologically go through all the Archibald winners that I've interviewed. There's 15 altogether, including one upcoming guest, Peter Wegner, who I was supposed to interview a long time ago, but COVID came along and changed all that. So I've included some of his Archibald acceptance speech. The final clip is with biographer Scott Bevan, where we talk about arguably the most controversial Archibald win, The Portrait of Joshua Smith by William Dobell. All the works we talk about can be found on the website, talkingwithpainters.com, together with links to the full interviews with each of the artists. There'll also be a video on my YouTube channel with an edited version of this episode in a few weeks, and I'll be posting it to the show notes as well. So if you're listening to this any time after 2021, you'll see it there. We start this episode in 1985 when Guy Warren won the prize with the portrait of his friend, artist Bert Flugelman. And back in the 80s, the prize didn't have quite the same reputation as it does today. Talking about winning prizes, you were uh, recognised in 1985 winning the Archibald Prize with your um, wonderful portrait of Bert Flugelman, mm. uh, who was a friend of yours, I think, at National Art yes, School, was. wasn't he? Mm. Um, what was that experience like? Does that make a difference in your career? Well, I've just had this email from uh, the people who are organising the um, 100th anniversary for the Archibald, and they asked exactly the same question. And look, I have to be honest, it didn't mean a damn thing. Nowadays, I think, for some reason, I think uh, Ed Capon, when he was director of the... Art Gallery of New South Wales was very good at drumming up publicity, mm. and somehow in his during his tenure he made the Archibald into something which was immensely exciting, so that people from the far distant suburbs of Sydney felt they had to come into the Art Gallery to see the show. I think in the early days I found when I won it, it didn't make a slightest bit of difference. I don't think anybody even noticed that I had it. Friends did, of course, obviously, and other artists did, but no, it didn't mean a damn so there thing. Wasn't a and huge... the money, of course, was a lot less in those yeah, days than it right. is now. Yeah, that's right. That's right, it was. It was a hell of a lot less. It sort of doubled at some point, I think. Oh, it was 10000 when I won it, $10,000, yeah. and it's 100000 now. That's right, that's right. Mm. And what, they didn't have a huge media pack there on the day of the announcement? They had a reasonable media pack, but nothing like it is now. Yeah, yeah. No, it does. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it, how the prestige of the Archibald yeah. has changed over the years, isn't it? It is, it's interesting. It? Mm. Um, Look, I'm happy to have won it. <laughs> yeah. It all helped at the time. <laughs> 
I interviewed Davida Allen and William Robinson together in conversation in Brisbane just before COVID struck. Although they're friends, Bill is also somewhat of a mentor to Davida. They're both Archibald winners and in fact, Bill has won it twice. Here's Davida talking about her 1986 winning portrait of her father-in-law, Dr. John Shearer. I didn't paint that picture for the Archibald, interestingly enough. Oh, really? I painted it from a pure emotion. My father-in-law did the most extraordinary thing. He was a very private man and he'd always put his shirt on if someone outside the family came to visit. And this one particular day I visited him and he was in his garden watering Celtus trees which was like a canopy of privacy around his house in Ipswich, and he didn't put his shirt on. And that piece of life was the blade that went into my artist's brain, that mm. I have to paint that. Mm. But then as I did it, there would be, I wanted the heightened exercise, which is frightening to me personally. I find it really scary when you put the discipline onto yourself that it has to look like that person. It won't look like that person if you don't totally know that person. So anyone who knew John, it's the mouth I got right. It is a John Mouth. Anyone who knew that doctor in Ipswich knew it was him because of the mouth. So you don't have to be totally the eye, the ear, the nose, the mouth, the physique. You only have to get one or two things right anatomically. If you know your subject enough, the instinct of emotion. Mm, That's very interesting. William Robinson won the Archibald twice in 1987 and 1995, both times with self-portraits. The Archibald is a a particularly strange thing because it's given a a lot of importance and I thought that there was only one way to go about it when I when I entered it with me and a cow in the first place, showed that it was sort of be a bit sort of obscure and difficult and rather not stupid but um, send it up in a, in a way that not everybody realised that it was being sent up. Mm. And um, so, I've, you know, I, I used to sort of enter again when I thought I had a, another way to provoke... Would you always inject humour in a self-portrait? Well, I think I would, even if I was doing it today. I'm not a person who would paint my life as a series of disasters, which I must remember and show with every line in a picture. I've had disasters in my life, but um, they're not things that I share with other people. Um, I think the last thing that you should ever lose... Is a, is a sense of humour mm. about yourself mainly, particularly if you can do it about yourself as an artist because um, the art business is terribly, terribly serious. Mm. It's still about importance. 
My first ever podcast guest was Frances Jarko, who won the prize in 1994 with a portrait of cellist John Reichardt. Can we talk about the day that you won? So what, what happened on that day? How did you find out? Well, they told me, I think they, they, rang, they rang me up on the, is it the few days before? It's announced on a Friday, lunchtime. Mm-hmm. I think they rang me the Tuesday before mm-hmm. just to tell me that I'd been chosen. They didn't say anything about winning. Right. And it was funny because mm-hmm. a friend of mine, Peter Griffin, bet me $100 that I would win, <laughs> <laughs> which I had to pay him. <laughs> That's just a little side story. But um, it was funny because I was teaching at Ashton's on Friday yeah. And I got a call on Friday morning to see if I was coming to the art gallery. And I thought, this is really weird. Mm. And I said, yeah, I'm coming. And I went with a group of students. I took about 20 students in. I sneaked oh, them in. I said, they're all, they're all in my painting. And one of my students <laughs> knew Edmund Capon. And she said, Capon wanted to know who you were. Oh. I said, oh, that's weird. And it was a big crowd of people. And the judge, I've forgotten his name. I think it was Hershon. He was about to announce the winner and I just looked over there and I saw Edmund Capon and his assistant Claire Martin and they were looking at me I thought oh god this is you know what's going on here (laughs) gee that must have been a surreal uh, feeling it was weird it was weird but it's just interesting how you can pick that up out of a crowd and like you're there you know what are you going to do run away yeah and then (laughs) suddenly (laughs) when I was announced I just remember the, the students all screaming and because then you're thrust in front of the camera for the next three, four hours. You just ask the same question. So it was, you weren't prepared. You weren't prepared oh, no for idea. that. No idea. So did it, what was huge... that feeling like? What was that feeling like to have all that attention? Look, it's exhilarating. It's exhilarating and frightening. I yeah. had severe pains after a couple of hours. I remember someone gave me some, some sort of medication. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think the nerves in your stomach just become really... Uh... You suddenly sure. got thousands of cameras on you, clicking you, clicking, and they're asking you question after question, you know, and... And then, but then the the, the follow through. There was a lot of lot of criticism, um, and I had a response to that, which was good. Mm. I think I got. I, they don't really um, give that much um, media response to to Archibalds these days, except when there's controversy. What was the main criticism? I mean, what was the... well, <laughs> um, not technically a portrait. <laughs> I mean, this this is you know this is a competition where bananas in pajamas can get chosen as being a portrait. You could do an abstract and call it a portrait, but because you know I had five portraits in one. Yeah, yeah. I met all the trustees except for Tim Story, and they all told me that it was a unanimous decision. Mm-hmm. And straight away I'm not they thought they thought it was a fantastic painting. That's what mm-hmm. they told me, mm-hmm. and there was no other. There was no runner-up. Bill Leake had a portrait of Malcolm Turnbull, so I had, I had to get Paul Dorpret to. Billy to be nice to me. <laughs> I was terrified because <laughs> we had a we had a forum at the Intercontinental, and I was up on a stage yeah. with with Bill Leake and Maloof and Thompson, Edmund Capon. Oh my god! And asking questions. One of the criticism was that um, I said, "Look, I, I feel a bit like Rembrandt when he painted the Night Watch because Rembrandt was criticised for not giving everyone equal prominence in his portrait, the Night Watch." And then in this book on the Archibald, let's face it. It said, I, I, I compared myself to Rembrandt. Oh, oh for goodness sake. <laughs> that's how they take these things in yeah, quotes that you say and distort yeah, them. You know, yeah, it's that's awful. right. It is, it is one of the I problems. did get a lot of support. John Olsen was, was, was a support. Mm, I mean, even mm. Edmund Kaplan was saying he was being very supportive. Mm, mm. Uh, and I'm sure 
most people who would have seen it in real life would have... Oh, uh, the crowds are huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Howard, you know, I remember going, I couldn't see the painting, the crowds were just Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Really well, it's huge. a great painting. There's no doubt about it. So I presume after that you were... You oh, weren't well, an unknown anymore, that's no, for sure. No, then galleries were ringing me up and asking for shows. Suddenly, you know, nobody wanted to show me and suddenly... I, if you... If, Winning the Archibald gives you a boost. Yeah. You know, I always say it's like it's like being good-looking or having lots of money or something. It gives you that push, you know, <laughs> to take you a certain distance. It's yeah, not yeah, going to yeah. last forever. Wendy Sharp won the Archibald Prize in 1996 with her self-portrait as Diana of Erskineville. It's a tongue-in-cheek kind of painting. It's a... It's me sitting in a studio surrounded by paints and all sorts of painting detritus from a studio. Yeah. Um, and it's... So when you ask me about, say, seeing old paintings, say in the Louvre, for example, it does, that one painting absolutely relates to those paintings. It relates to Reynolds and Gainsborough and all of those uh, 18th century paintings of the Duke of somebody or other or his wife and all these attributes that tell you how great he is. Like there's often, he's often standing there in fancy robes with a globe to show he's travelled or some something rather to show how rich he is or something to show he's gone on the grand tour and there's yeah. all those things. It's yeah. relating to one of those except so it's absolutely relating to that. That's what mm. I was thinking of. But I'm surrounded by a load of sort of things of broken crap around in the studio but I'm also dressed as Diana who's the goddess of the hunt, Roman version of Artemis, Greek one, so she's the goddess of the hunt. She always has a little moon on her head, which is what I have in the painting. I've got a little moon. Right. And I've also got plastic bows and arrows, which is all that. So it's sort of a thing about... And she, and I've also got a bit of a leopard skin printy thing, which is what she had too because she's a huntress. Um, so it's this thing about having to be tough and strong and being a fierce warrior kind of thing, but being a painter. So it's a bit of a joke. But the mm. other part of the joke, if you like, or bit of a joke, is Erskineville, which doesn't really work now because Erskineville, where I've lived for years, forever almost, was in those days a really run-down working-class suburb, very cheap houses. Yeah, yeah. That was, a f that was funny, would have made you laugh at the time that there could be any goddess coming from Erskineville because it was the last place, whereas now <sighs> it's so gentrified and so posh that it sounds like she's coming, that this is a goddess in some really, really upmarket inner-city groovy suburb. <laughs> the joke doesn't work anymore. <laughs> That's right. It just means that she's an inner-city inner wanker. <laughs> Really, it's a different type of thing. Yeah, right. And was was part of the idea also that it's a woman in the art world? Yes, yes. Yeah. So it's all of those. It's all of those things. Did you find that was something that you felt back then, or that oh, you yes. feel now? Yes, it's still there. It's still there, and it's still, it's still. I mean, you know, even to be sometimes presented, even now. As a, a woman artist, woman artist, you're not going to call yeah, men know, artists, call them men artists, call them, yeah, he's know. a man artist. It's, uh, you know, I mean, it, <laughs> yes. it's just so Crazy. easy to find out, is this, is this sexist, is this racist, is this wrong? Just reverse it. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> Lewis Miller won the prize in 1998 with his portrait of artist Alan Mittelman. I've actually spoken to a few of my previous guests who were Archibald winners. Luckily enough, I've interviewed a few Archibald winners. And it seems to be, to be a pretty intense experience. Yes, yes. What's your memory of it? Well, um, it was very intense for me the day before the announcement because I'd gone up by myself on the train to Sydney and um, 
I hadn't seen my picture framed. It had been gone from the framers. And they had this lunch the day before the announcement. They still do that um, with the guides. They ask questions about why you painted so-and-so, who you are, if it's your first time. And then during the lunch, you're allowed to go down while they were hanging the Archibald. The last year when I went, it was already hung, and the lunch was actually in the gallery, but that was new. But when I went down and I saw my painting, I thought, oh, shit, I think I'm going to win. Oh, no. I really had this strong, strong feeling. Because oh. um, I... It looked really big for a start. It looked, it, it looked sort of quite captivating or something. But I thought, oh, no, don't think that. Don't think that. Why? Don't think it because you don't because want to get your hopes it, up? I knew, that, I knew they hadn't judged it yet. Because I, you know. So I, had to, I was kept on talking to that little voice in my head saying, don't be silly, don't be ridiculous. But I couldn't. I could, the, the other voice was saying, yeah, you're going to win. So that day, so was it the next day after you had seen it mm. that, that, that it was announced? Yeah, I was staying at a friend's place in Paddington and it was quite hot and uh, I was wearing shorts and a T-shirt and thongs, I think, and I went, so I, I got the taxi, I don't know why I got a taxi, but I got a taxi to Ray Hughes Gallery in Surrey Hills and I walked in and Leah Haynes, who was uh, Ray's assistant, said, oh, you can't go to the press launch like that with shorts on. I said, oh, but look, I've just got a taxi for all, the way from, all the way from Paddington for $7 or something. She said, look, just go back and iron your shirt and come back and then we'll go, we'll go after the thing together. And so I thought, oh, she, why'd, she ta- why'd she say that? Why'd she say that? And so I went back, ironed my shirt, put on my jeans, and I walked in and Ray said, you won. And uh, I said, oh, oh, I've got to bring me mum. And so is it all right if I bring my mum? Yeah, bring your mum. I said, I rang up and Dad answered. He said, oh, I won, Dad. He said, I'll get your mother, <laughs> which is very sweet. And Mum said, are you sure, darling? Are you sure? And I said, yes, Mum, this time I'm sure, you know. Oh. But she, because she, there was a time when there was a, a room and I hadn't won, so she really wanted to know. But I said, no, Mum, really, I have won this, this time. They rang up Ray. Oh, and, that... and I also said, and I, said I, and I spoke to Alan, and he's on the way now to Sydney, so they must have called him as well. So why did you think of ringing your mum as the first person? With me mum. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, because I know, I know how much, how, how interested and keen she was on it. And see, my father had enter, entered the Archibald in 1967, which is 50 years ago, uh, and my brother and I had, had to get out of our bedroom so that Dad could have a studio to do this painting, and oh. do this portrait, and he got in, but he never entered it again. But that was the seed was planted in my head 50 years ago from when we had to get out of our room. Oh, and, right. And I, I remembered that, and so I must have been there. But I'm just surprised that I didn't enter earlier, why I wasn't entering when I was in my early 20s. Yeah. I think in a way it was seen to be a Sydney exhibition, it was seen to be a little bit exclusive, and um, I didn't realise that you should just have a go. Yeah. In 1999, Ewan McLeod won with his self-portrait, Head Like a Hole. What was that experience like? Um, yeah, it's pretty, um, yeah, pretty weird experience. And, and, yeah, look, the painting, again, came up in that I was doing a painting. It wasn't actually done for the Archibald. Oh, okay. I, was just do, I was doing it, um, doing this painting. And then I kind of thought, oh, actually, that would be quite good for the Archibald and I thought that it might have a chance of getting hung because it was a bit wacky 
I had entered the Archipool, I think, twice before, um, but not sort of seriously. And this one, I just thought, oh, look, you know, it's a bit of a throwaway, um, you know, put it in. You never know, someone someone might think it's funny enough to, to hang it. And that year, they were looking for a painting. That's what they were looking for. Um, How do you know? One of the trustees, I found out later, that one of the trustees was saying, we want to give it to a painting, not a portrait. Just trying to push the parameters of what the Archibald Prize was. So they were kind of looking at, um, and, and you know, the difference, a, a portrait can be a good painting, and a good painting can be a portrait and all that. But sometimes uh, there is a difference. I can understand what they were saying. Mm. And just luckily mine fulfilled the, um, the brief. Yeah. Were you surprised at one? Oh, I was really surprised. I was ab- I was absolutely shocked at it when I had no concept that um, I kind of thought I didn't push any of the buttons for winning. I mean, I hadn't been in it before. Um, what is gallery generally hate art prizes and and certainly don't pander to that kind of thing like some galleries do. They make sure you know they. Yeah. Uh, I I, so I, I guess I had I had a lot of misguided ideas of how it worked and I and I actually was wrong um I think sometimes the trustees just kind of judge something they like and you know they're all you know they, they'll just say nah we're not we're not gonna I don't care if that one should win it this one's gonna win it and yeah. a lot of people are critical of that a lot of people um say oh you know they wouldn't they wouldn't you know wouldn't know a good painting if they fell over it there's a, a lot of harsh criticism of it but look the whole system kind of works, and I've got to say for the, for it that um, they're their own people. You know, the, the, there's nothing like a kind of competition that's not really a competition where it's rigged, you know, where it's basically yeah. you know who the judge is going to pick, um, mm. you know, the, the, the judge is chosen because the judge likes that work, and that's, you know, so it's a, it's a sort of a competition, but it's not really a competition. So the Archibald, I, I think, has qualities that I admire, mm-hmm. um, but it because of its um, status and because of the fact that the public feel they have a part in it all and are asked to have a part in it, uh, it becomes very hard for the artist because they um, there's a lot of criticism of the winner, terrible criticism, and it's um, mm. pretty harsh and it's pretty personal and it's pretty nasty, yeah, and um, you Did know you quite vicious, that? yeah, yeah, and I wasn't. You know, I don't like having people saying nasty things about my work at the best of time, but this mm. was, you know, sort of on national TV. And um, and I've kind of realised that everybody comes in for that to a certain extent. Some people get less of it, um, mm. but and some people get more of it. Well, but, some people think the more controversial it is, the better. And there is an encouragement to make it controversial mm. because they know... Um, that that you know you gets get publicity, publicity. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and so you found um, it very un- uncomfortable. I did, I did, I did, and I've got two photos. Um, one of me after I won the prize, where I'm sort of looking totally shocked, and one <laughs> the year when uh, the next person won it, and I'm just looking like a weight's been lifted off my shoulders. <laughs> But, you know, look, the Archibald Prize, the, the benefit of it is that it involves the public and whatever can involve the public is so fantastic. Yeah. 
Nicholas Harding won the prize in 2001 with a portrait of actor John Bell. I just want to talk firstly because I have interviewed a few Archibald winners mm. and it's sort of interesting because it's they're all varied sort of reactions to that experience mm. and uh, I, you know not all positive actually so I was just yeah. wondering what your your experience was well of course to, to win that prize is incredibly exciting and, and, a, and a marvelous thing I mean it's terrific um, so it's mostly of itself it's a it's a wonderful thing um, I suppose if you're going to find a downside is it way it misses your head a bit um, because all of a sudden, for five minutes, everyone wants to know what, what you're doing and, and mm. what you think, mm. not necessarily about anything that you necessarily thought about. <laughs> you know, some very journalists ringing up for your opinion on any kind of matter of the day that... that oh, not necessarily normally, painting. No, no. <laughs> and and, and part- all of a sudden you seemed apparently you're qualified to, to make remarks about something you hadn't really paid that much attention to. Sometimes it is something you paid attention to, but, but not always. Yeah. Uh, yeah cause, well, you're sort of a celebrity in a way. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I guess yeah. you are. In, in it's, um, it's a small, a small um, pool in that, in that regard in terms of celebrity. You're not a football star and you don't play cricket and for, the, for the country and yeah. you're not a soapy star or, or in the movies or anything, but... Um, it is a celebrity of a kind, mm. and uh, was were you expecting it? Was it? In what? What was I? As, were you expecting to win? No, not really. I mean, people were were tipping me, definitely. Mm. But I, I've been at that was my eighth time in it, um, and I'd had a couple in the refuse, mm. and um, and it was kind of like, well, really, there's usually something else in the room that that gets there. Yeah. And uh, and I think it was the second time you painted John Bell. It was. I painted him the yeah. previous year, and that was to acquaint myself, because I always had in my mind to paint him as King Lear, because that was my initial impulse to paint him. Mm. But I didn't know him, and I had to paint him. I'd had a, done a few um, very quick sketches from memory when I got back from watching him as King Lear. We were in the front row in the middle, so prime seats. Mm. And that was the thing, that was the impulse, you know, that was the, that initial impulse that, that drives the creation mm. of a work. Well, I hear that he saw the sketch and he actually contacted you that... Um... Oh, that was a different sketch. Oh, is that a different sketch? Yeah, right. yeah so, and that was some years before. So I, we'd seen him in Coriolanus um, at the Seymour Centre. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I think was directed by Steve Burkoff. Um, I could be wrong on that. Um, but uh, I did a just a an ink and paper drawing of him mm. and a, one of their donors, sponsors, supporters bought it and donated it to Bell Shakespeare and, oh. and then John, who we'd actually met at morning tea at, at our mutual friend Rex Irwin's some time beforehand and um, you know we liked each other's company and mm. it, it, was a, it was a beginning of a, a good friendship but um, we hadn't seen each other for, for ages, but he, he sent me a nice postcard and said, oh, if you ever want to have me sit for the Archibald, just let me know. Right. And right. so when I saw him in King Lear, a little bit later, yeah. I got in touch with him and went to... He's a very busy man. Certainly back then he was very, very busy. So the only, only sitting 
initially to do a drawing was at lunchtime when he was um, rehearsing Dance of Death, the Strindberg play down at um, the Wharf. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I'd arrived early, so I parked outside and was reading the paper, waiting for the t- allotted time. And then I noticed he, he came out to walk his dog, and he was still, obviously, still in that Strindberg. He was still the colonel. He was in that liminal space of not quite himself and not quite the character. Yeah. But he had this look on his face that was very intense and would, would help him form my portrait of King Lear later on. Anyway, he took the dog for a walk, and then we, we did the drawing. Del Catherine Barton was my other guest who won the prize twice, in 2008 with a self-portrait with her children and in 2013 with a portrait of Hugo Weaving. Look, the most, and I'm sure a lot of the artists you've talked to that have had the crazy Archibald experience would say the same, like the most fascinating, in some ways problematic, but wonderful thing about the Archibald is the audiences that it reaches. Mm. Um, The week that I won the Archibald um, with the self-portrait with my children, I I also had my first solo show in Melbourne open. So that was, um, again, just just a real blessing too because it just meant that thousands more people saw that show that 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 wouldn't ordinarily. Yeah, that's right. And because portraiture... I'm very passionate about portraiture, but it is essentially an adjunct to my figurative practice. Mm. Um, So not necessarily that representative of my core figurative practice. Mm. It just meant a lot to me. And actually the same week, it was a big week, I had a painting on the the cover of um, what was Art in Australia then, So, which again was a very different kind of painting to the painting that was in the Archibald. Mm. Um, you know, it was a beast woman with her boobs out and, yeah. yeah. So I sort well, of feel a, like all of that coming together was pretty a pretty extraordinary moment for mm, me. Mm. Yeah. Well, do you find that with the portraiture in the Archibald, um, the requirement to get a likeness or the desire to get a likeness mm. is what is setting it apart from your other work. Is that the main difference, do you think? I see that as being only one aspect um, because I find, uh, and, and certainly making a self-portrait eliminates the stresses of what I'm just about to describe, but certainly working like painting someone and in the context of the Archibald it's it's going to be someone you admire enormously mm. is just a huge co- committed experience to step into with just layers and layers of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> sort of searching around for some euphemisms but because it's very it's a huge privilege well, as like well. Kate Blanchett like, and Hugo Weaving. The first time I met Kate I was I was really, she's always been one of my heroes and I found that, look, incredibly special and we've worked together in other capacities since. She's so down to earth, but it was a very, very overwhelming experience. And yeah, yeah. and I'm a real pleaser too, although I I can be, yeah, as I said before, I have have a lot of fortitude now and single-mindedness, but if I'm going to work with someone and to 
give something to someone or to represent someone. I, I want them to be happy. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, no, so I totally understand all of that. that. And then the, the fear of not being a finalist and, yeah, it's, yeah. it's so a lot. Would you, would you still lot. feel that now? Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, do you, feel, do you feel it for your sitter? More, like, do you, is Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's, and look, everyone, I mean, I think being a bit older and tougher now, I think there's a lot of camaraderie that goes into also potentially not being hung. Mm. Um, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd share, you'd share your commiserations with friends or whatever who did Totally. Get yeah. Or if, say, I sat for a portrait and then that wasn't hung, that that there would be a special bonding that would come out of that with a painter. Yeah. I mean, it would be more yeah. fun for us to be <laughs> but, yeah. at the lunch. <laughs> Which I must say that, the, I mean, as you know, I interviewed Mark Etherington who painted you for the Archibald yes. and was finalist. And I loved that painting. That was fantastic. I loved it too. Um, that must have been a fun experience. It was so funny when he was telling me that he'd never sketched a person I know. from life before. <laughs> he had to go out and buy a sketchbook. He is... Oh, I just love that man so much. Yeah, he's such great, a special, he? special yeah. human. In 2009, Guido Maestri won the prize with his painting of Dr. Jeffrey Gurumal Yunapingu. Was that the first time you'd been a finalist and you won it? Yeah. How was it? What did it? What oh, well, like? I mean, I, I, go in, I enter prizes with no, you know, thoughts about anything um i just always enjoyed entering it i was entering it from the second year art school or something because i just wanted to i knew i'd never get in but i i just um i liked that i had to make a painting and finish on and and but and you get to go down there and um you know to the loading yeah the loading dock it was cool it was like behind the scenes so I, i i loved doing it and i never thought anything would happen anyway um so, yeah. Were they mostly, like, what, what sort of people would you be painting? Were they sort of... Uh, well, I think a lot of the reason that that one got in was because it was, um, you know, it's just such an extraordinary subject. Mm. Um, I should so- mention just for the listener that um, Gurumal was a, uh, he's since died, but he's, uh, he was a famous Indigenous singer. Yeah, absolutely, utterly extraordinary. Yeah, and unbelievable. Yeah, you know, I saw him... And just that was it. I it was I never felt more compelled to paint someone. Mm. Just just you know, the idea that okay, if this gets hung, then people will see this and they'll talk about the subject. They'll they'll talk about him. Um and that for me that was the most successful thing about it. Mm. That I remember going there on the night and they were playing Gurumal's music through the whole art gallery. And I just thought that was the best thing that has ever happened to me from a painting. Yeah. Ben Quilty won the prize in 2011 with his portrait of artist Margaret Olley. The painting of Margaret was a homage to some a friend, really. A mm. friend and a mentor, although I don't like the term mentor. She was a friend. She was a good friend who stood up for me, who taught me how to stand up for myself. And, yes, I, possibly that's mentorship. 
Mm. In what but way it, did she teach you to stand up for yourself? I watched her do it. She, she belittled politicians in front of me, which was awkward. I was a very young man and she'd put them in their place. She stood up for herself. And she was a very, very shy young woman who became probably still a very shy human, but she knew what she believed in and mm. she wasn't scared of anyone. She held artists in the highest regard. Artists were the people who should be ruling the earth through Margaret's eyes. And I thought, what am I worrying about? Why am I playing this second role to people I feel um, in a societal um, hierarchy that I'm lower than them? When you sit with Margaret Ollie, no one except the artists were below her admonishment. Oh, right. So she, so the artist she held in the highest esteem. Yeah, I was yeah. at a, a lunch with Margaret at her home and um, there was the Premier of New South Wales was there, Edmund Capon was there, Nick Mitsovich, who's now become the Director of the National Gallery, was there. And Nick and I were friends back then. He was the Director of the Newcastle Regional Gallery. And I said, Margaret, I'm, I stood up to start clearing the table. And she said, Ben, sit down, Edmund, clear the table. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was appalled. It's like I, Edmund looked out of the side of his eye, glanced at me quickly as I sat down. I was not going to disobey Margaret, but everyone was below her artists. Oh, right. Yeah, I think she sort of took a lot of people under her wing from what I've heard. Yeah, she just stood up for artists when you look at back at and, – and musicians. I mean, there are classical musicians who she kept – like that, and and artists. I mean, there was lots of them. Nicholas Harding, Cressida Campbell. There was a group of us, and and that group was growing and growing. And the longer she lived, the bigger that group became. And there are people she fought for. And really, she wasn't fighting individually for for us. She was fighting for acknowledgement of visual language of the arts. Tim Storier won with a self portrait in two thousand and twelve. He was also on the Board of Trustees of the Gallery in the 90s and it's the trustees who decide who wins the prize. In this clip, he gives some insights into that process. That must have been, I mean, you were a trustee of the Art Gallery of New South Wales, so you would have been involved in, in selecting the Archibald Prize in the 90s. Yeah. Um, how was, how did, was that experience for you when you actually won it? Well, I wasn't expecting to. No? No. Um, although, having said that, you don't enter it unless you want to win it. Yeah. But um, it's a it's a chook raffle. Yeah, uh, I was going to ask you about that. It's, Is that... Uh, the, the, I know the decision-making process very well, and it's as good as you'll get, but it's a committee decision. Mm. And if there's no agreement, it can go wild, you see. So you don't really know. And it depends on the number of people on the board. Like, who are they? What's their experience? It, the mm. personalities play a big part in it. Yeah. So you don't really know. No. So just for people who don't know that, you know, maybe overseas listeners, it's the Archibald Prize is at the Art Gallery of New South Wales and a group of people who are on the, who are in the board of trustees, they're the ones who decide who wins the prize. So it's, uh, and they're not just artists. And in fact... No, there's only two artists on the board. The rest of them are business people. Yeah. So it's a really interesting prize. Did you generally feel as though the right one was chosen when you were each year when you were a trustee? Well, I mean, one always has a view uh, on that, and um, as a rule, uh, force of argument can come into it. Mm. Um, numbers come into it. It is a committee, so you're not always completely happy, and sometimes you're very unhappy. 
But as a rule, you, could, you know, yes, I think they made the right decisions, mm. mostly, mostly. Did people, main, uh, did people often look to you for your opinion because you're an artist? Yes. And also I suppose you could have sort of analysed it from well, that Well, yes, I mean, but then a force of argument comes into that, but you may, may not win. Mm. You know, it, uh, it's a very it's a very tricky thing because, um, as you will know, when you're dealing with aesthetics, uh, everybody's got an opinion. Mm. Mm. Um, a lot of the opinions that are put forward aren't particularly advised. So, for, I suppose. Sorry, go on. Force of argument really is very important if the decision is split. Yeah, and I suppose that argument has to be backed up with reasons. Yes, of course, and it can be with a trained person. And by the way, it's quite interesting. Um, you find quite often that a businessman or woman, um, and most of these people are pretty highly intelligent because of their career successes um, or getting to these places, mm. you find that quite often they can form a very good argument in support of what they believe about aesthetic matters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, look, it's, what you're going to get me to say, which I don't particularly want to say, is that uh, it's imperfect. Mm. Well, I suppose judging any art prize is going to be imper- an imperfect exercise. Well, it's uh, idiosyncratic. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But, and also I've heard you know, people say that they won't enter a particular art prize because the judge is not going to like their particular style of work. I mean, yeah, exactly. They're smart. Don't you feel as though you're going to be attracted to a painting that is more in line with your aesthetic preferences, you know? Or your, maybe not your style of painting, but... No, I would say that's absolutely not the case in my, my position. I mean, um, when you take on a, a role like that, um, you're almost duty-bound to put in the back pocket what, you might think, but it could also be prejudicial. So you, you have to take uh, what, what used to be called a Catholic view, which is a broad view, mm. um, and you have to maintain that. Otherwise, you're being unfair and prejudicial to a certain type of work. So what would you have been looking for when you were looking at paintings? That's very difficult. Well, paintings of high quality, essentially. Um, and a, 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 a very humanistic and interesting interpretation of the human face and figure, mm. I would say. It's, you know, it's, see, it's, it's, it's already morphed away from what it was. It was a portrait prize for people, portraits of people who are highly respected in the arts, uh, science, politics and letters, basically, you know. Well, that yeah. changed. Yeah, that's, there's that's a lot not of what self-portraits and a lot of portraits mm. of artists. That's right. Now. I, but I think not that's to say that they more... can't be very good. No, but also I think it's just easier. And also, I mean, once well, you start painting a to... politician, I mean, I don't think anyone wants to paint a politician anymore. No. <laughs> I don't know why No, that I think is. that's true. But there's going to be a reaction against the number of self-portraits. Yeah, I there think. are. I, I do. I do agree with that. I think that. I think last year was there was a record number. But um, I'm looking forward to the hundred years actually, which is in two years' time. The hundred year anniversary. Yeah. So that'll be that'll be fun. Maybe. I think you know, and also, 
the public love it. You know, everybody loves going and... The quality's dropped dramatically. I believe that this last year, it was a fantastic opportunity for the trustees not to award it, to sharpen it up. They've done that before. Yeah, that was done once before, mm. wasn't it? Um, that's a bit harsh. Why? Because, I mean, I think the calibre is pretty good. I think the quality is pretty good. I mean, look, you're always going to get some that aren't, you know, that you sort of think, oh, gee, how did that get in? Although sometimes you go to the Salon de Refuse and you think, wow, that one didn't get in and, you know, it should have, you know. Well, you know, my position, I did a painting of Clay and Edwards. They didn't even hang it and yet it won the... the... Yeah, <laughs> the, the Doug Moran. Yeah. Louise Heeman won the prize in 2016 with her portrait of entertainer Barry Humphreys. Was he keen to have his portrait painted? Was it your he idea? Was. It was my idea. I just got to know him and I had this idea and I thought, and I had a sort of, after I'd seen his final performance and he was standing in front of the curtains as Barry in Melbourne, his hometown, I felt this real sense of, kind of sadness because it's the end of an era that he'd finished that's his last performance but apparently he's done a whole lot of you know after the after the after (laughs) he's never going to stop but um I thought I must paint Barry for the Archibald because I'd never thought of the Archibald before because I'd never thought I'd seen people that are definitely worthy subjects but I hadn't worked out a way I could paint their heads Mm -hmm. like for example Richard Tognetti who was Richard and his wife, wife, girlfriend, Satu, um, they introduced uh, Bill and I to Barry. So that was... um, But they're both worthy subjects. But I couldn't get my head around Richard. And I'd been thinking about Satu, but I might get around to Satu. That might be in the future. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Was the white jacket in the painting something you requested? No. And it's so brilliant because... I kept on asking Barry to come back because, and he's so beautifully dressed. He's like a yeah. liar bird, isn't he? Just, yeah. and I feel like Madge always next to him. I don't care. <laughs> oh, I couldn't be bothered dressing. No, I just don't. And he hates black, but oh, black, black, so boring. Yeah. But I'm always being black. But the day he turned up with that jacket, that outfit on, I just went, this is perfect because it's not throwing any colours particular colours up onto his face. I just love it. It's neutral and it was just perfect. Having that dark background with his face emerging in the light, yeah. what influences you to, to sort of create that sort of effect? Well, uh, my original idea was much more uh, complex. So it was a vision I had and it would have been quite a busy background. But as I went along... I went, no, I don't need that. It's, I want to focus on Barry. I don't want to focus on the storytelling, the hieroglyphics of, oh, this is Barry, he's this, he's that, he's whatever. And also my uh, the way I think is singular focus. Although people say I'm all over the shop, which I am. I chop and change just like they can't follow what I'm talking about and then I lose track of what I'm talking about. But in painting, I always seemed, in making images, I tend to have a singular focus in a picture otherwise I can't I don't know what I'm doing Mm. so for example when I was painting the MCG crowds for this for the Basil Sellers prize which I didn't win Mm. um, uh, I 
could only paint the crowd if it wasn't individual objects. If it, I could only paint it if they became a, a mass mm. of one thing. Mm. I just can't do more than one thing. In 2019, Tony Costa won the prize with his portrait of artist Lindy Lee. Only three people saw the painting before it went to the Archibald. Oh, really? And all three people said, wow, that's Lindy. And I was thrilled because none of them knew that I had painted Lindy and so I knew it was genuine. Um, so that's always a lovely surprise. Well, so you and Le- you, is it important to you to keep it really under wraps? I think so. I think so. It dilutes the tension between myself and the sitter and, you know, you don't want to be talking about something you haven't even created yet because the Mm. big question is who are you painting next year? Mm. And I honestly don't have anyone for next year. But even if I did, I think I owe it to the sitter to keep that that quiet. Now, the other thing that you told me, which I am astonished by, is that you, (laughs) you work... With Lindy's portrait, you work for 16 hours with a 10-minute break for lunch. Mm, that's right. <laughs> I'm on a roll. What was that about? Well, it's about being in that zone. You can't possibly leave the painting. I, I think um, I don't want to leave the painting. And if I've got mm. the energy to keep going, well, then I do keep going. And that's usually the tendency, that if I start a painting, I'll start, I'll start particularly early. So normally I start at 7 o'clock in the morning, knowing that by 7 o'clock at night, that's already a 12-hour shift, and that I've got the latitude to go another four till about 11 o'clock at night. And by that stage, I'm pretty wrecked. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready to die. (laughs) So that that is not a usual situation, I presume? uh, It only happens when I'm painting very large pictures and I want the one skin and I want the one one mark and the one energy to go through the the entire picture. Mm. If I was to go back to the painting the day after and the day after that, not only would I begin to tear the surface, which then starts to dry, I would um, run the risk of contaminating and making the painting look tired. In 2020, Vincent Namajira was the first Indigenous Australian to win the prize with his self-portrait with Adam Goods. You're in that painting with Adam Goods. You've done a portrait of Adam Goods and you're in it as well. How did that feel to win? Uh, to me, like, it was, uh, oh, I'm not going to win, I'm not going to win. Uh, it was that kind of feeling at first because I'd entered already four years. Yes. And I've been shortlisted, shortlisted, shortlisted and shortlisted. But on the fifth year, I've, it finally, finally comes around, the, yeah, the announcement that one day I went. I was sitting at home, and uh, my manager from the art center and his partner and child came knocking on the door early in the morning. Got me out of bed. They didn't say anything. They just said morning and just handed me the mobile phone. And there was a fellow on the other side. He was uh, one of the judges from that uh, Archibald Prize. Oh yeah. And Vincent, am I speaking to Vincent? Uh, is this Vincent? Hello, Vincent. I'd just like to tell you, you are the first Indigenous to win the Archibald Prize. Congratulations. Oh, my and God. Yeah, my, I looked and said, I'm the, I, I haven't won. I said to my manager and his partner and colleague, and they just, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, got, yeah, paralyzed in the face. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I could imagine. Well, I could imagine that Iwanja Arts must have been like going crazy. Yeah. And the whole Indulkana community must have been yeah. so excited. Uh, we're really supportive and um, we always uh, work together in the Arts Centre. We don't like um, 
trouble in the art center whatsoever and maybe a little bit of humbug and noise we'd like to keep it there's normally a full house we have 30 artists in the art center at Iwancha. Now, also, I want to just quickly talk about the Archibald painting itself because I loved that painting. And I noticed when I was looking at it that not only does it have sort of a narrative to it with Adam in the background, but also the colour palette you used is basically red, yellow and black, which is the colours of the Aboriginal flag. Is that a deliberate thing or is that just something coincidental? Coincidental, yeah. Oh, was it? Yes. The... The main thing that I was working on that canvas was the footprint, which is on the bottom of it. And that pretty much um, sums up everything that was on that canvas. Stand strong for who you are is the title of that canvas. And that footprint on the ground, that was actually my foot walking over the canvas. So I painted red on my foot on the bottom and walked on the canvas, which pretty much summed it all together. Stand strong for who you are. Mm. Yep. Peter Wegner won the Archibald this year with his portrait of Guy Warren, who is also a podcast guest and who himself turned 100 this year. I'd like to really thank Guy Warren for sitting and for his generosity of spirit. And he really, I mean, it's so much easier if you've got a great face and I think it's always easier if you have a great model. And I think with the case of Guy, it's been extremely lucky. I, I have both. So... Is a, a, a big thank you to Guy. But also, um, now, Guy is probably one of the most remarkable 100-year-olds I have ever met. <laughs> now, I say this because I have drawn, painted, and sat with over 90 centenarians in a, in a series I've been doing over seven years. And um, this was the reason I approached Guy uh, to, um, to sit for me. And it wasn't actually the idea of the Archibald I had in mind. But um, as it works out, it's very well timed on both levels. Um, I I still think it's I still think it's extraordinary to live on this planet for a hundred years and still have a sense of purpose, curiosity, and 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 maybe this is the reason that guys um, for his for his for his longevity. But um, so. Guy Warren, I have to thank you very much and I'm hoping you're there today that you can enjoy this with me. William Dobell controversially won the prize in 1943 with his portrait of Joshua Smith. His biographer, Scott Bevan, talks with me about that time. Let's just briefly describe the painting for people who maybe can't get to their screen and bring it up and might not have ever seen the work before. Um, It was Joshua Smith seated with his arms uh, sort of rest, his elbows resting on the armrests over the chair and his hands crossed in front of him. Correct. And you would notice those hands. You cannot help but notice those hands. We were talking before about Dobell's attention to hands and Joshua Smith's portrait is certainly an example of that but it wasn't so the hands that grabbed everyone it was that face yeah and where people were going oh my goodness has he exaggerated this has he elongated this has he made this guy look this ugly or is this a representation and so began the controversy exactly Uh, and quite elongated arms and neck as well I would say indeed which is quite striking when you first see it and of course it won 
It did. Can you tell me a little bit about what the reaction was, say, the next day and, and Joshua Smith's reaction? Yeah, well, it, there was this culling down among of the finalists by the trustees until there were two left, two portraits that the trustees were determining who was going to be the 1943 Archibald Prize winner. It was William Dobell's portrait with the artist and there was Joshua Smith's portrait that he'd done, uh, which was uh, Mary Gilmore. Yeah, the writer. Yeah. And the poet. And the vote was seven to three. And so Dobell won it and that was duly reported. And then the next day, on the Saturday from memory, I think it was, Maria, the, the public, the media got to see, could come in and be face-to-face with the winner and, as it turned out, the future of Australian art, where Australian art was heading. Some would look at it and think, wow, at last, the shackles of those moribund conservative portraits that have defined the Archibald to now have finally been cast off. Others thought they were literally looking at the ugly face of modern art and thought something wicked and horrible this way comes. Art as we know it. It is over in Australia if this is going to be the future. And everyone had an opinion, including Joshua Smith and Joshua Smith's parents who were there. And the media made a beeline for the parents and said, what do you think? And the parents were apparently influenced by hearing some of the comments that were less than flattering and they were worried for their boy. Yes. And it sounds like that rubbed off onto Joshua Smith himself. Yeah, yeah. And he changed his view. He did. And those who knew both of them said that all the way along Joshua was happy with what was being produced, with the representation. And Joshua became more and more perturbed and disturbed as this became not just the winning portrait, but a point of conversation and contention. That the Archibald Prize, more than ever before, was not just opening eyes, and Dobell wanted to open eyes with his art. That's what he wanted. What it was doing was opening mouths. And everybody, everybody had an opinion. And everyone was saying, do you reckon that's a, a real fair dinkum portrait? Or do you reckon that's a caricature? And so the, that very question was leading not just to the court of public opinion, it was leading towards a court of law. You can hear what happened next with that court case by going to episode 96 of the podcast or better still, why don't you buy Scott's book which is called Bill, The Life of William Dobell, an absolutely brilliant read. Also, the exhibition Archie 100, which is an exhibition of significant portraits which have been hung in the Archibald Prize, uh, which unfortunately was cut short at the Art Gallery of New South Wales because of COVID, will still be travelling around the country. So it's worth having a look out for where it's going on the Art Gallery of New South Wales website. Thanks for listening and hope you can join me for the next episode of Talking with Painters. <music>